Thanks for tuning in. This is TJ Murphy, and welcome to another episode of Adventurous Entrepreneurs. My guest today is Gary Ross. From his early days penning for his high school newspaper to becoming an Emmy-nominated broadcast journalist, Gary's journey in storytelling is nothing short of captivating. But his prowess doesn't stop there. As a former Fortune 500 corporate executive, Gary knows the intricacies of communicating from the C-suite down to the production line. Now, as a sought-after communication trainer, coach, and consultant, he collaborates with a diverse clientele, from titans in the Fortune 500 to dynamic nonprofits, guiding them through the realms of corporate transformations, mergers and acquisitions, and change communication. His 10 number one rules of communication have revolutionized the way professionals interact, and he's here to share insights that could transform the trajectory of your business and your career. Just a few of the golden takeaways Gary shares in this episode are navigating disruptions with effective communication plans, the importance of targeted impact over broad attempts, understanding and embracing the limits of control, rallying teams behind a unified vision of success, and recognizing that every decision communicates. So without further ado, this is me and Gary Ross. Welcome to the Adventurous Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Murphy. Since quitting my corporate nine to five and starting a business while backpacking through Asia back in early 2017, I've had the privilege of learning from some incredibly adventurous entrepreneurs. Through these conversations and my own journey, I've learned that much like in life, entrepreneurship is an adventure. On this podcast, I explore the journeys of top performing leaders in their fields. These wide ranging conversations include tactical business advice, how I built this insights, lessons in leadership, life hacks, travel stories, favorite hobbies, and insights into living a purposeful and joy-filled life. Adventures await us, so let's dive in. Hey, hey, Gary, welcome to Adventurous Entrepreneurs. Hey, TJ, thanks for having me. Hey, it's it's a pleasure. been looking forward to this conversation, and I'd really love to kick things off by digging into a quote you sent me in preparation for this conversation, which was, I learned early on that I cannot boil the ocean, but I can make a difference. And that's what fuels me. I felt like there was a story to be told there. So I'm curious if you can elaborate on that and also just share what making a difference means to you. Yeah, making a difference. What what that means to me is that uh, things have turned out better uh, than they would have if I wasn't there. And, and that really is, is, is what it comes down to. When I started in my, in my consulting career, I went in and I thought, all right, well, I'll go in and just fix everything. And then I leave and everybody will be happy and we'll move on. And I learned early on that you cannot fix everything. And there are certain things that uh, you should look at and, and pick out and say, okay, if I'm able to, to make a difference here in this particular spot, then this work, this assignment will have been a success. And that's what I learned uh, early on in my in my career and I, I or in my consulting career and I keep that with me uh, today as well because there are um, there are some things that uh, are a little bit beyond our control. There are some things within our control. We focus on what's in our control. And at the end of the day, if things are better because we were there, then that's a win. That's definitely making a difference in my book too. So you alluded to your consulting career, but again, in preparation, you had mentioned that you've been a storyteller for your whole career from writing for your high school newspaper to becoming an Emmy nominated broadcast journalist and now you know helping companies 
tell stories to external and, and internal audiences. And I'm curious, is there any like moment or, or per person, maybe, yeah, a moment or person would be relevant, but that really helped inspire that passion for, for storytelling, or has that just been something you've been interested in all along? I don't remember what it was that caused me to start wanting to start right for my high school newspaper. Um, yeah. And I went and I did it and I had a, a fun time writing this feature article. I don't remember offhand actually what it was, but I do remember turning it in and they loved it so much and they didn't make any changes to it and they published it as is. And I thought, oh, Impressive. well, maybe I can do this. And it was fun and I enjoyed it. And I tried it a couple more times and and that happened. And it's like, all right, I said, I think I, I think I've got a knack for this. And, and that's when I, when I grew into that excitement of, of telling stories, being able to inform people, move people with, with stories and, and the, the great things that, that help that within stories that help take us places that help us buy into a, a notion to get excited about something, to want to follow along with a, with a quest or a journey. That's what stories are about. And, and doing that is a lot of fun and continue to do that, to do that to this day. Yeah. So that's a good segue. I'd love to bring things forward to how you're helping clients learn to tell their own stories. So what, what's going on here in September 23, what has your focus right now and and how are you helping people? So workplace communication training. And so that helps people communicate better at work with each other, with people <laughs> outside their organization as well. There, there's been some research done that says poor communication at work can cost an organization $12,500 a year per employee. So per employee per year, twelve five. It's a big Dude, chunk of change. That is a big chunk of change. Depending on and and poor communication, that's when uh, there, there's confusion involved. People have to reiterate themselves, or things get things get lost and and so forth and it kind of gums up the the works and so there's real money involved in this and also goes toward employee engagement and people sticking around and giving their full effort at work and and so forth so workplace communication to me and I, it always seemed like everybody knows that they need better workplace communication but they're not sure how to go about getting it and that's where I come in so I teach courses. I work alongside and coach executives and also managers and, and even frontline employees as well on how to express themselves, how to inform people, how to influence people, how to inspire people as well. And that helps the organization. It also helps individuals in their careers also. So things like professional communication, showing up professionally at work, Things like eliminating filler words or reducing filler words, saying um and ah a lot less, how to have a difficult conversation, these sorts of things. Yeah. And communication is obviously so fundamental to any role in business, whether you're sending an email, whether you're selling from stage, whether you're selling over the phone, through your social media, whatever the case or the, the medium might be. As you said, there's a lot of money on the table when you do things poorly. Well, right. And especially for, for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs' dreams of, of building a business. You've got an idea up here. You've got a, a dream, a picture of, of success. 
And a, a big key of make to making that happen is to have other people understand what your vision is and then to rally behind the vision so they can act on it and bring that vision to reality. And that's where the storytelling comes in because storytelling is one of those things where as human beings, our brains are wired to respond emotionally to stories. And it's how we've been communicating for, for years and years, if you think back to the, to the cavemen. The cool thing is, is there are certain storytelling formats that have been tested through time that we can adapt into a business, uh, into a business standpoint, into a business environment. One way to do that is to ask ourselves four questions, and the answers to each of these questions generate our story. The four questions are: Where are we now? Where are we going? How will we get there? And what will it look like when we get there? So instead of just communicating a dry piece of information and telling people what to do, when we answer those four questions and give people a sense of, okay, here's where we're, where we are now and some change has to happen. Here's where we're going. This is the, this is what we're going to be doing and how are we going to, how are we going to get there? These are, these are the things that we're going to be doing to, to make that journey. And so we're going to go on a, a, a quest or we're going to go on a trip together and I want you to come along with me. And at the end, this is what it's going to look like. This is the picture of success, why everything is going to be better if we go on this journey, we go on this quest together. So where are we now? Where are we going? What will it, or how will we get there? And what will it look like when we get there? If you think about some favorite famous stories or movies that you love, a lot of them follow that simple four-question format. My favorite example is The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Where are we now? We're stuck in Oz. Where are we going? We're off to see the wizard. How are we going to get there? We're going to follow the yellow brick road. And by the way, we got to get past the Wicked Witch of the West and the winged monkeys and all that stuff. And so that's yeah. where the conflict and the journey comes in. What will it look like when we get there? There's no place like home and all the positive emotions that go with that. So Wizard of Oz, Star Wars, you can look back to Shakespeare. They they all follow the this very similar arc. And the cool thing is, is we can do the, use the same sequence that has captivated people's imaginations for centuries, use them in a business setting and get people to follow us along and get people bought in and inspired by those stories. Yeah. It makes me you know, immediately think of, of the hero's journey, which is a lens that I like to look at a lot of problems through, whether it's helping a client in business, whether it's this podcast and, you know, even thinking about your story, I imagine there are some communication challenges that you faced personally that have helped you develop this expertise and the system for helping people to become better storytellers and leverage that in their lives and their businesses and the corporations that they work for. So what are, or do any come to mind challenges that you faced throughout your journey and, and how did you overcome them? Well, one of my, one of my favorite stories, I, I was leading communications for CDW, a technology products and, and services company. And the company had been a publicly traded company. It had gone public 14 years prior to this particular point in time that I'm talking about. And when the founder took the company public, he gave everybody stock options. Mm-hmm. And and it became a way for people to actually be invested in the company, but also people would track the stock price to see, okay, how, how are we doing? Well, uh, it, it, at a, this particular point in time, the 
14 years after the company went public, the, the company decided to sell itself to private equity and go private, which was going to rock everybody's world because everybody had stock options. They were used to this stock price and then people were going to get paid for their options. But other than that, that stuff was going to go away. And we knew this was going to be really, really disrupt disruptive and generate a lot of anxiety, what's going to happen to the company and all of that. And so the CEO kind of brought me under the tent and he says, here's what's going on. And we need you to put together a communication plan to keep everybody engaged and focused on productivity because we're about to have these new owners. We can't have the company go sink someplace and um, and and take a nosedive. So we put together a communication plan that focused on on just that, on providing people with as much information as we could by telling them the story about mm -hmm. what's happening and where we're going and how we're going to get there and all of that. And we used exe had executive visibility, a lot of different communication channels and so forth. We, the announcement was made and 48 hours after the announcement was made and after we executed our communication plan, the company had its fourth largest sales day in the history of the company. Wow. And the CEO attributed the communication plan to helping sustain the levels of success and productivity that the company had had, even as it was going through this jarring and disruptive period. So that was, that's one of my favorite stories to tell because I think it shows the power of good workplace communication at a time where it can help a company and its people stay successful and engaged at a time of, of, of peril and uncertainty. Yeah, it's a great story. Do you happen to remember like going through that framework that you you described, you know, where are we now? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? And what will it look like? Do you have at least cliff notes on how you built that <laughs> into this this conversation? I you know, I, I probably have my notes buried someplace yeah, no uh, on no that. And I don't know if I had used that particular format at the time. Okay. I, I probably wish I did. Yeah. Um it might have been. Well, hey, it, it seemed like it worked out just fine anyway. So <laughs> but yeah, it did. It did. How did you communicate that message on on that scale to to the entire company? Was that an email? Was that a you know big meeting? What what did that look like? Oh, it, a lot of different communication channels. So you want to you want to go to where people are and where they're used to getting their information and where they like to get information. And studies have shown that people like getting their information direct from their direct manager yeah. uh, as as a trustworthy source. And so we we would equip. Uh, leaders, uh, as soon as we're able to to bring them in on this, give them information that they could have to to talk to their folks about. We also made our executives very visible through town hall, through conference call. Um, the old this was before a lot of remote work, so the old MBWA, which is managing by walking around, okay, had people visible in the in the in the office to ask questions and to show that hey, you know, nobody's running anywhere; it's still business as usual. And we were also, we promised something that I, I later started um, phrasing this way. We we promised people clarity, not necessarily transparency. And there's a difference. You know, we all have the urge to promise people transparency, that we're going to be totally transparent. But we can't. There are just certain things that we're not able to talk about for competitive reasons, for regulatory reasons, legal reasons, what have you. But you can promise people clarity. You can say, look, I will. we will tell you everything we can when we're able to, to talk about it. And we'll make sure we follow up on things that, on questions that we're not able to, to answer at the time. We'll, we'll follow up on those questions later. 
And we also said and, and and made sure we all understood, we kind of eyeballed each other around the table and said, look, we cannot say anything now that is not going to hold up later. We have to do what we say what we're going we're gonna to do, because this is a time of a lot of uncertainty. And, and a lot of what we had to do was basically say, you know, here's what we're going to do over time. We had no way to prove to people that we were going to do that. We just had to say, here's what's going to happen over time. And people kind of had to trust us at the at the beginning. But over time, if you fulfill what you say you're going to do, then that's what builds trust. And trust is that key number one factor that makes for a, a good workplace. You look at the Fortune Magazine 100 Best Companies to Work For list. It's, it's all about trust. And those companies outperform others because they're, they're great workplaces. So we had to... We we had to establish as best we could, although it took time and we all realized it took time, that sense of trust. And over time we did. And that's what helped us in the long run. Yeah. And it sounds like it, you know, really boiled down to distinguishing, being clear. Of course, you cannot always be transparent, but in the things that you're clear on as a team, as a leadership team, having that understanding from the beginning that no matter what, what we are clear about, we have to follow through on because that's what builds trust. And that's, what's going to create the stability that's going to get us through this major transition, which could be very tumultuous. Yeah, you got it. And the company went through its period as being a private company. It's now publicly traded again. It came out, oh, okay. of its, uh, um, it came out of its private period and, um, and there, you know, it's, it's, it's been a good story for that, for that company. So it's uh it it's overall it's gone um it it went well and i think it's a real com communication success story at a time of real uncertainty for the company and for the and for the individuals there and i think that's a touchstone of of a lot of good workplace communication too is it serves the organization because you're getting a a group of informed and engaged people working there and it also helps the individuals work in there who are walking in the door or flipping open their computers every morning they know how their roles are connected to the organization they know that they're being leveled with even though sometimes the news might not be so great at least you know hey they're they're leveling with me and then they can go home at night and when they're sitting at the table for dinner around with their with their family they could say look here's what's happening at work and here's how i'm connected into it and here's what it means and this is what we know now. This is what we don't know now, but they tell us they're going to follow up with us in a few months and I trust them and believe them. And, and that's the kind of relationship you want to have with your, with your workers. Cause that's where you'll get your productivity. That's where you get your, your loyalty, your turnover will go down. And again, you look back at, at some of the best performing uh, or, or some of the companies with the best cultures, best workplace cultures are some of the best performing companies. So it does go down to the bottom line. This is not all touchy feely, soft no. that kind of stuff. This is this this means real money. Yeah, not not all the woo woo stuff. It's a mm -hmm. bit of a segue, but I mean, boots on the ground. You're from your experience in the corporate world, now helping to train in the corporate world. What are common communication challenges that you see, you observe, C level executives making, or you know, said differently? What are things that you see a lot of companies or, or executives getting wrong when it when it comes to how they're communicating or how they're even developing a plan of action around how to communicate big challenges. Yeah, one of the things that I I see quite a bit is is the is is people not realizing that everything communicates. 
It's mm. not only what you what you say and what you write and what you distribute out there, but it's also what you don't say. Yeah. It's also when you don't say anything. It also has to do with your actions, with your with your visibility. Like going back to that that story, the fact that those executives were physically in the building or physically in our offices, and we made sure we deployed certain people to certain places on that on that day. Just them showing up is an act of communication. Yeah. And their their visibility, they were they were not running away during a day that was a, could have been a little a little testy. They were there. Uh, there are there's a tendency for for folks to wait until they feel they're 100 percent ready to communicate. And what can happen there, especially if it's a um, potentially sensitive issue, is if they don't communicate, then you develop. If you look at it from the employee's point of view, from a receiver-centric point of view, it's radio silence. They're not, they're not hearing anything. Well, that's when people start thinking exactly. the worst. All the worst-case storytelling right. is happening in their heads. Right. They they make up their own stories, which are never as good as the real one. Yeah. And you're instantly putting yourself behind the eight ball at that point if you're allowing that to to happen. So understand the fact that that everything communicates. I'll, I'll give you another story. Is a time where this was not too long ago. I was working with a company where uh, there was a group of out of about four thousand people. There was a group of about twelve hundred people that were about to be affected by a leadership change. And the people that were communicating about this, they said, "Okay, we're going to be up front. We're going to." Uh, and and it was a kind of a sensitive time for the entire company. But with these twelve hundred people, we want to make sure. Oh, we're going to take care of them. We're going to. Uh, we're, we're going to inform them and allow them to ask questions, have a town hall for them. And they invited all these 1200 people to um, certain offices and gather virtually online for this, for this big meeting. Uh, what they didn't think about was the other 2,800 people in this part of the company. All they heard about was there was a meeting that was happening that they weren't invited to. <laughs> and they started getting nervous. And rumors started spreading. And because there wasn't a culture of trust, they were like, oh, what's going on? I didn't get invited to the meeting. Did you get invited? No, I didn't get invited. What's going on? What aren't they telling us? Where back in the, as they were making the decision, they thought they were out there communicating and doing the right thing for those 1200 people they were. But there were 2,800 people who felt alienated and confused. And, you know, again, radio silence, the rumors start going and, and so forth. So understanding that everything communicates, that things, actions that you take generally will create a communication implication that needs to be dealt with yeah. one way or another and considered one way or another. And that's what workplace communication training can do. It can kind of help you see around those, those corners. I mean, really from that story, especially like needing to be able to take a bird's eye view and no matter what the decision is around how you're communicating something, it's not just the person you're directly communicating it to. It's what everyone else is going to think, feel, or perceive based on that action, whether Absolutely. it's out there in the public or or not. People are paying attention. As a leader, you got to know that you're always going to be in the spotlight. And when you make a decision like that, having that consideration on how it will affect the big picture seems yep. from your experience to have been critical. So yep. digging Absolutely. into that a little bit more, I believe you've developed something called the 10 number one rules of communication. So without giving away all your secrets, can you highlight a couple of these that, that you believe every entrepreneur should be aware of? 
Yeah, well, I'm sorry, we're out of time. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> gotta buy the book. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, actually, you know, I've narrowed it down to three because 10 were kind of a little, un, a little un, unwieldy. So I kind of folded every, all the concepts on uh, into, into three number one rules and we've kind of touched on them okay. already one way, yeah. one way or, uh, another, well, two of them actually, well, the, the three are tell them a story and we've, we've talked about storytelling. Uh, another one is everything communicates. We just talked about that. The last one, which we should think about a little bit more or talk about a little bit more is know your audience. And I know that sounds a little basic. Well, I know my audience. That's the 200 people over there in that office. And, um, you know, uh, Bob and Jane run it and they do a great job. And what else do I need to know? Well, you need to know what motivates them. You need to know what do they want from you? What do you want from them? What else is going on in their work life and to the extent appropriate their personal lives as well what's happening in the community where where they're in what's happening what are other things that are happening in, in that particular office location an audience could be people who are new to your organization or people who have been there for a while people in certain roles people in certain office locations as i just mentioned and so forth and understanding really what it is that that motivates them, what you want from them, what they want from you. So and then where they like to receive their communication and how they're best communicated with as well. So ultimately, you want to be able to commu communicate the right thing at the right time to the right people in the right way. And that's what knowing your audience gets to you. It gets you to if you are out there communicating. And again, this sounds counterintuitive, but it's, this happens all the time where people are out there communicating something to the wrong group. Hmm. When you're about to send something out and you're, you need, you should understand, all right, who's going to be getting this. And are these people even, even equipped or, or in a role where they can act on what you want them to do? Should you be sending this to them now or should you wait another month or, or six weeks or, or what have you? Maybe send them a little update now and then and then and then communicate further later on. I, I had a, an instance where somebody was rolling out um, a new uh, technology system to the company to a company. It was a large company, but only a, a handful of people really needed to know the information about it. And the rollout wasn't going to happen for another eight months. But the person was so excited that they got this stuff approved, they wanted to send out an entire company-wide communication about it right then and there. And we were trying to tell them that, all right, look, 80% of the people who are getting this aren't going to know what to do with it. And by the way, it's you're six months too early. Yeah. So when it comes time to communicate about it, people will have thought they've heard about it already and it's out of their mind and then they'll be all confused. He insisted on getting it out there. He got it all out there. People were confused. And when it came time to actually launch the new system, we were starting from negative territory because people thought they'd already heard about it and, and so on. So he, at that point or in, in that particular case, he, he didn't understand his, his audience. So really take a step back and say, is, is this something that, that people can act on? Do they need to know about this now? What's the best way to communicate to them? Uh, and am I communicating this even to the right people to begin with? I love that. Got to know your audience holds true in marketing and holds true in sales. It holds true in just communication in general. Yeah. So for the action takers that are listening, which there are many, can you provide like a tangible exercise, a book, a 
tip, a podcast that you love to listen to, something that they could implement right after this podcast to be able to enhance their communication skills. Could be something that you offer. I'm sure you've got some some things you like to to point people to. Well, a few of the things that we've that we've talked about here. So these these three number one rules. So know your audience. So ask yourself those those questions about your audience. What do you want from them? What do they want from you? What motivates them? How do you communicate the right thing to the right people at the right time in the right way? Ask yourself those questions. On the other rule, everything everything communicates. Look at the actions that you're that you're taking, and realize that you may be sending a message that you that you're you don't really know that you're um, that you're that you're sending. Tell them a story. Use that four question template. What where are we now? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? What yeah. will it look like when we get there? Uh, I do have 11 e-learning courses on workplace communication on my website, plus.insidecoms.com that covers a lot of this. It uh, The courses, uh, their communications people have taken them, uh, people outside communications have taken them. I have a client that's purchased four of them for their entire company. Awesome. They, they've uh, they've made them um, available for their, uh, for their uh, corporate university and so forth. And, and so we do, we do that. We can do deep discounts for, for teams that, that want to buy these. We also do custom e-learnings as well for anybody who's, who's interested in that. So check that out again, awesome. plus dot com. But um, those, those are some of the key things to, uh, to do. One thing that applies, I think, to any kind of communication, and you actually even touched on it briefly and what you and what you said earlier this applies to you're doing a presentation even a one-on-one conversation or a small meeting when you go into a communication of any kind think about your communication objective what is the job of your communication what do you want your communication to accomplish why are you communicating to begin with stay focused on the answer to that question and that'll make sure you're not digressing in a hundred different places and, and, and going down different tangents. Then think to yourself, what do I want people to think, feel, and do as a result of my communication? And the funny thing is a lot of times we, we do the think and the feel part pretty well. The think was, is the, the core information we're communicating. The feel is how do we want people to feel? We want them to get excited, bought in, feel like they're being listened to, feel like they're um, they're optimistic about what they're hearing, they're excited about what they're hearing, they want to be a part of what they're hearing, and so forth. And then we kind of leave it at, at that. And we don't actually tell folks what it is that we need them specifically to do to achieve whatever it is that we're that we're communicating about. So the, the one example there is we've all seen that email that's, uh, that comes out sometimes around toward the end of the year that says, hey, we we need 5% more sales to finish our year strong and our goal. And we've got the best team in the business and I know we can do it. So finish the year strong. So I've got the think part in there on the sales How? data. And I've got the feel <laughs> about, right. And I've got yeah. the feel about, okay, I'm in, what do I do? And then we forget to tell people, what do you actually, what do I actually do? And so I get that email. I turn to my manager and I say, well, what do we do? And the manager says, I don't know. I got the same email you did and nothing happens. So, and, and, and we've all seen that stuff. So make sure that you're being prescriptive about what it is you would like people to do 
uh, as a result of, of your communication. And sometimes it might feel like you're being a little too prescriptive, but that's natural. People need that information. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I've had that even within, you know, a recent, um, recent company that I was supporting. They had a goal they wanted to hit. They sent out a similar email and I prompted them to actually add in, you know, one little detail. It's like, ask, go, go find that customer that you felt like you've had on the hook for, you know, the last few weeks, you know, they're right there. Go just give them a call and check in on them. Don't even bring up business. Just call them up. And if you can do that, if everybody can do that one task and call up, you know, we're going to get a couple sales out of that. It's, it's just that relationship building at the end of the day. So, so I, I think one of the challenges that I have sometimes is that a lot of this communication stuff that we talk about does feel pretty intuitive to people and feels familiar to people. Yet we fall down on this stuff every day and you see it in organizations, big and small. And so part of what I like, part of what I do when I'm, when I'm out there and I'm talking to folks or I'm doing my training is just have people be disciplined when they think about communication, they get that communication mindset, be strategic. What's the job of my communication? What do I want people to think, feel, and do? How do I tell a story? How do I make sure that I know everything that I'm doing is, is communicating? How do I know my audience? Because when we don't ask ourselves that question, those questions, that's when the the crazy stuff happens and the bad stuff happens. And if it's bad enough, it winds up on social media yeah. <laughs> and all that. And we know how that goes. Absolutely. All right, Gary, that's a good segue point. So one of the questions I always like to ask is about what living a well-rounded life looks like for you? Because this is an entrepreneurship podcast, but one of the biggest hurdles that most people in business, really just most people in general face at one time or another is living a well-rounded life and doing the things that bring us joy with the people that we care about most. So what does that look like for you in this season that you're in? Well, I, I love to travel and, Me too. and there are, <laughs> I, I learned a while back, there are always reasons not to take a trip. Yeah. You know, there's never a perfect time. Uh, and, you know, after a while, I realized this is not a dress rehearsal that it is when we want to go do something and enjoy something at, at a certain time of our lives that, that we should get everything out of the way and devote the time to, to do it. And so we've, we've taken some longer trips, you know, in recent years and, and further trips in recent years and, and making sure that we overcome the reasons not to do something. So, because they'll always be there. Yeah. And say, you know what, this is important enough for us to push everything else out of the way and go ahead and do. Yeah. And the key there, which you alluded to, is just making it a priority. My wife and I were literally sitting across the table at a one of our favorite restaurants having a drink like two days ago. And we've been all the last six months saying, oh, yeah, we're going to go on this trip in November, December. We're going to make it work. We finally pulled out our calendars to to figure out dates, and we both were, I mean, immediately frustrated because we realized, <laughs> man, we should have actually planned this six months ago, like we talked about. Because now, and I've got a lot of other priorities that have crept up on the calendar, and we travel a lot, so it's not like this is our one trip of the year, but it was important to us. And now it's we we realize it's like no, no, we're not making this mistake again. We need to 
be proactive. This is what really fills us up and helps us show up as our best selves. So to not get to go on this trip, which we'll probably squeeze it in, have to shuffle some things around. But had we been more proactive about it, it would have been a lot more stress-free and we wouldn't be kicking ourselves here six months later. Yeah. So I love yeah. that. And, and, and I like also like to try as best I can to create boundaries around the workday. Um, we all some have to work crazy hours sometimes, especially if uh, work is global and time zones and all that stuff. But um, I, I really try to uh, uh, start and end work at specific times of the day. It may not always be the same time every day and set it aside and have you know, have quiet time stream a show, spend time with my wife Yeah, this time of year, sitting out on sitting out on the deck and looking at the pond behind our house and the birds and all that stuff. I know. Thrilling, right? Really? Sounds lovely. Oh, that sounds so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we have similar, we've got like beautiful, beautiful, like forest behind us with, I mean, sometimes we have bald eagles flying overhead. Oh, so it's wonderful. Just yeah. being out there in the afternoon is always very good. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's good. You know, our, we, we have two boys. They are, uh, one is in his second year of his first job out in the world. Uh, our second one is a, is a senior in, in college. And so, uh, it's, you know, we're, we're definitely moving into that, that next phase of our lives and, you know, learning how to, um, learning how to do things for, for us, which is good. And while still being able to do meaningful work. So, um, you know, I don't have all the answers and I try my best yeah, every day, does. just like we all do. Right. Yeah. Um, and, 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 but, but those are, that's kind of my things that I, that I look at is just make sure that we, the, we realize there's always reasons not to do something and, and you, you got to push those out of the way and, and try to as best you can to put boundaries around work. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So you said travel was a big one for you. So I have a choose your own adventure question for you. You can pick which one you'd like to answer or both if you so desire, but one would be what's just a favorite place you visited in the last say five years or just a recent adventure that you went on could be with your wife, your family in your own backyard here in the U S but in either case, like, what was it like? What made it so memorable? Maybe a favorite meal or drink you had lesson learned and in, in very much the theme of the episode, tell us a story. Yeah. Well, when I think of one of my favorite places and we haven't been there in a while, um, there is, and, and don't tell too many people about this. <laughs> yeah. There's a little <laughs> Island. <laughs> there's a little island off i think it's the northeast coast of saint martin mm. uh, in the caribbean and the island is called pinel island p-i-n-e-l island and the only thing on this island at least the last time we were there uh are two restaurants and you you get out there there's a little ferry i think that they run but the first time we went out there some we found some guy on the beach in saint martin and I think we paid him 10 bucks and we both got on his jet ski and he took us out there. Nice. <laughs> um, and we, um, uh, you, you go out there and these restaurant, these two restaurants each have some beach chairs and the restaurants they have, they, they, you, you, um, you sit down and they bring up the lobsters that they caught that morning and you pick which one you want. 
and it's 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 so many euros per kilo, which is way too much math for me on vacation. Yeah. So the price doesn't matter. Take it. Yeah. And <laughs> uh and it the view of this island, you're looking you you're right off the beach of St. Martin, so it's it's pretty much there, but off in the distance are two or three other islands. And you're sitting there with this awesome food and your toes are in the sand and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's idyllic. It's one of my favorite spots anywhere. Oh, I love it. I went to St. Martin when I was probably 11 or 12. I was on a cruise with my family. My grandma took the whole family on a cruise together. The only cruise I've ever been on. And that was one of the ports that, that we stopped in. I remember it was beautiful. Had some great, great adventures. I think I went snorkeling with my dad for the very first time. So good memories. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There are other stories in other places. When you start a travel podcast, have me back on. All right. I'll have to do that. Places. I'll have to do that, Gary. Well, what, uh, what parting advice or, or ask do you have for people listening before we wrap things up? Just think more about your communication. Uh, as, as I had been saying before, be more purposeful about it. Remember that everything that you're saying and doing is, is communicating one way or another. And make sure that is supporting the way you want to be seen, the way you want to show up, the way you want your organization to show up, the way that you want your teams to feel about you and your organization and the way you want them to work. And I can help you sort through that if you'd like. So yeah. uh, insidecoms.com is the main website, plus plus.insidecoms.com is, uh, is the e-learning website. Insidecoms.com is the main site. We will include links to everything in the show notes. And I just want to say thank you, Gary. This has been great conversation. Communication is so fundamental. So to everyone listening, remember that everything communicates. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. To all of our adventurous listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and share this on social media or with someone you know will get some value from it. Leaving a review goes a long way in helping people find the show. And I personally appreciate reading them when they come in. So please go drop one if you have the time. We'll see you all next week. And remember, whether we're talking about business or the things that bring us joy outside of work, life is meant for exploring. So go out there and live it one adventure at a time.